Welcome back to Your Political Playlist. I'm your host, Emily Tish sussman Today we're talking about something that doesn't get covered a lot in politics, the fashion industry. A $2.5 trillion industry, the fashion industry employs over 75 million people. But poor labor conditions, a lack of strict regulations around pollution, sexual abuse, and more, leaves the industry often doing damage globally. That's why I sat down with Dr. Elizabeth Segrin, a senior staff writer at Fast Company. She recently published an article calling for President Biden to appoint a fashion czar and pass regulations to control the unruly industry. That article has led to the creation of a new grassroots coalition, which sent an official letter to the White House and Congress and was co-signed by more than 80 fashion brands, experts, and nonprofits. Welcome, Dr. Segrin. Dr. Elizabeth Segrin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're bringing huge fashion cred with that poof sleeve. I mean, I was nervous how to dress for this. (laughs) A conversation about the business of fashion, and I feel like you're putting me to shame. Like you look I'm amazing. That I have to represent, you know, the industry that I write about, and come with a sustainably sourced, very poofy puff sleeve outfit for this conversation. How incredibly well branded you are! You're really doing the full, the full circle branding. Totally. <laughs> so, explain it to us. You proposed the idea for the Biden administration to have a fashion czar. What does that mean? So, I, so I'm a fashion reporter. I have been writing about the fashion industry for the past five years, and I've been very interested in this idea of sustainability because as I've written about this industry, it's become so clear to me that it is a highly polluting industry that is responsible for a lot of microplastics. It's responsible for between 4 and 10% of the world's carbon emissions. It is a really destructive industry, and yet while the oil and gas industry is regulated by the government, while the auto industry is regulated by the government, this is not an industry that, that is overseen by the government in any way. I have a couple of ideas about why, uh, and we can go into that later, but the main issue is that this is an industry that is causing a lot of harm. Um, we've just talked about this, the the harm to the planet. There's a lot, also a lot of harm that it causes to, to humans who work in this very global uh, supply chain. And, and none of this uh, is really be, overseen by any government, right? There's, the governments are not really regulating uh, this industry. And so um, my, my proposal was that, uh, that, that, that President Biden appoint a fashion czar. And I think that the czar concept here is very important because, you know, as you know, czars are appointed in moments of crisis to deal with a problem across multiple dimensions, right? Um, and so we, ha- we currently have climate czars, we have a COVID czar, I think the term fashions are makes a lot of sense because it's affirming the idea that this this is an industry that is in crisis that it is causing uh you know a lot of destruction that needs to be dealt with right now and this problem this problematic industry needs to be dealt with across multiple uh departments of the government right and so i think that the idea immediately sort of like resonated with people like yeah you know this is something that really needs to be addressed 
Yeah, climate is not one of the first problems, honestly, that I would have thought of when I when I would think about the industry, um, the fashion industry it would probably be more like international labor. Yes, it's it's fascinating. Um, the, so there, there, you know, the, the sweatshops were um, under scrutiny throughout the '80s and '90s. People were paying attention to that. The government also pays attention to things like, um, you know, like trade, right? Because in the in the '80s and '90s, um, a lot of manufacturing, clothing manufacturing, got um, shipped o overseas, right? Which which changed the economic dynamics of this industry. So I think that's something that you know has been on people's radars. But what happened over the last 30 years is that the dominant mode of the fashion industry became fast fashion, which is this, this idea of turning out vast quantities of clothes um, very rapidly and um, making these clothes so inexpensive that the the consumer can think of them as basically disposable. So, right. so this has been happening over the past 30 years. We're like kind of addicted to it, to be honest. Like, I feel like I am like, oh, it's a trend. I'll try it cheap. Doesn't work. Like, totally. I feel like we're a little addicted to it now. And it's, you know, it's made it so that we expect clothes to be very inexpensive and that we can sort of churn through them. And you know, there, there were all kinds of interesting reasons why the industry shifted to this approach. But, you know, making all of these clothes so inexpensively has come at a huge cost to human life and to the planet. And I think that, you know, going back to this question of like, you know, why isn't the government paying attention to this? I yeah. think this happened really rapidly. And so really over the past 20, 30 years, right, this, this has escalated. And fast fashion has really been targeted at younger consumers. Um, and particularly women, right? Women are w women are still the, the predominant consumer in this industry. And so I think what happened is that government just didn't really pay attention to this because those in power were just sort of not really paying attention to this shift that was happening. Um, and as yeah, a result, and it's, it's just not under any scrutiny. I mean, you mentioned like no government really kind of owns it. Is, the, is it not regulated by you know, like you said, like the, you know, the environmental impact, like EPA, like Department of Labor, especially as there's this push under Biden to try to bring more things back to the U.S. to be domestically made. Do you think that the existing structures will oversee more of what you're talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, there are individual regulations that affect the, the fashion industry, right? So for instance, there are OSHA regulations uh, that, that dictate how, you know, factories and um, and distribution centers in the U.S. should be run, right? But, but uh, here's the thing. So, you know, over the past year with, with all of these COVID outbreaks, you know, fashion uh, industry workers have been really profoundly harmed here in the United States. There are, there, there is a big garment district in Los Angeles. Um, and there, there are lots of undocumented workers who work there. And many of them were profoundly affected by COVID. They, they were the ones making a lot of the PPE that went out to the rest of the country. Um, and OSHA regulations just have been have not been followed, have not been enforced, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think the, I, what I'm trying to do with this concept of the fashion czar is to have somebody who is drawing attention to this industry and saying, this is a significant industry. It is responsible for, uh, you know, trillions of dollars in the global economy and, and is, is a significant part of the domestic economy. Somebody needs to recognize that this is important and needs to be regulated. Now, here's 
part of the problem. The, this is a global industry where um, th th that has a supply chain that really sort of, uh, you know, crisscrosses the, the globe. Uh, and every country is just, you know, has just one part of this process, right? And so I think that is partly why it has been so easy for no individual government to take responsibility for this. Because for instance, here in the United States, we don't really manufacture very much of the world's supply of clothes. We're, mo we're more consumers, right? And so a lot of these issues with the supply chain, I think it's very easy for uh, a government to be like, well, you know, that's something that, you know, you know Asia needs to, to, to look at, right? Or, or it needs to be something that another country needs to be paying attention to. Same with the, the emissions, right? And with, with all the pollution that's happening, you know, this is a, 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 an enormous global problem and it's going to impact all of us. And it's really easy for, uh, for no one government to take responsibility for it because it's just affecting all of us, you know? Right. I mean, I can even think about, you know, ec economic impacts in retail, you know, the amount of jobs that we've lost over the last year, and who knows where they're going to come from, primarily jobs that are held by women, I'd say of all immigration statuses, so documented, undocumented, educated, lesser educated, um, and, you know, if we're really going to bring back the economy for jobs that were held by women, I would think that could potentially get included too. It's, yeah, it's huge. And actually, there's all kinds of potential for, uh, for, th for this industry to even grow locally. So for instance, here's an interesting thing. You know, as I said before, there, there's so many clothes that are being manufactured now every year. Uh, between 2000 and 2015, the number of clothes manufactured every year went up from 50 billion to 100 billion garments a year. So, 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 and that's just going up every year. There are billions and billions and billions of garments are being made wow. now because of this fast fashion sector. We are actually at the cusp of having uh, technology that will allow us to recycle these clothes so that we don't have to extract new materials to manufacture clothes. We can use the clothes that have already been made and recycle them the way that we recycle paper or aluminum. Um, so that's like an enormous thing that's happening. There are lots of American companies that are part of this. If the United States could get it together to create the infrastructure to do all of this recycling, then the United States could actually be a source of, uh, of new materials, right? Because all of this recycled uh, clothing could, could, could then be turned into new fabric. America could become a manufacturing hub in a new greener fashion industry. Uh, there, there's so much potential here for green jobs to be created. Um, and yet, you know, when we think about like the, you know, the green economy, right? We were thinking about solar panels and, you know, and like fuel efficient cars and like, nobody's really thinking about the fashion industry and what an engine it could be. Your idea started a couple of weeks ago when you wrote about this and now it's kind of taking form, right? Yes, yeah, so it was amazing. I, I, so I'm a writer. I write for a magazine called Fast Company, and I wrote this story in the framework of an open letter to President Biden. But amazingly, the fashion industry sort of rallied around this idea and said, hey, this is a great idea. Um, a, a wonderful uh, a political consultant called Hillary Jockmans, um, who has expertise both in the fashion industry and in politics, she said, 
why don't we actually turn this into a real letter that actually goes to President Biden's office? And so she put a letter together that was signed by over uh, 80 organizations, brands, um, nonprofits. Um, and that letter ha has actually gone to various members of Congress and, and to the White House. Honestly, that's amazing that you guys are actually really moving on it. That's amazing. I mean, do you have you gotten response back from the administration? Uh, not yet. Um, we have, yet. I like where you're going. We have received a lot of positive um, responses from uh, members of Congress who have gotten the letter and are and are interested in, in helping us push forward this idea. Um, but in terms of the White House, the way that I think about it is, you know, my husband's a political scientist. I know that things move slowly in politics, right? And so my goal is, you know, right now the United States is in the midst of a crisis. We're trying to get um, COVID under control. We're trying to, to deal with these big issues with our economy right now. But that, I, I have complete faith in President Biden that he will manage this crisis. And then in a year from now, a year and a half from now, there's going to be, uh, I think, a bandwidth for them to start addressing other important issues. And when that happens, I don't want the fashion industry to just be something that nobody's thinking about. I want, I want somebody to be saying, look, we have all of these big issues that we want to tackle. Maybe the fashion industry should be on our list, right? That is, that is all right. I'm trying to achieve here. And so putting the, the vibe out there and getting this momentum going, I hope will ensure that when the time is right, he's ready for this idea. Great. I mean, the fashion industry is obviously having like a huge crisis of industry as people are not everyone is as well dressed for their Zooms as you are. I mean, they're obviously having, you know, I mean, the industry itself is like, where is anyone going? Like, what are they buying things for? So do you see that as a challenge to pulling together Azar to tackle all of these issues because people just aren't focused? Or is it more of an opportunity? I think it's a huge opportunity because I think the fashion industry is in its own way, recognizing that the fast fashion movement uh, has not been great. Um, and, and one reason that it's not been good is that, you know, all, a lot of companies had been turning out all of these clothes and were not able to sell them last year because people were working from home, people were not shopping as much, people felt constrained in terms of their budget, everybody was wearing sweatpants. Um, and so, so, that, so, so suddenly they have this like enormous quantity of clothes that they're sitting on, right? And so a lot of fashion brands are now beginning to think, you know, maybe we should, you know, last year we saw what happened with that. Maybe we should think about recalibrating how much we're manufacturing. Um, you know, maybe we should really sort of lean into some of these sustainability initiatives because consumers are now more aware than ever about, you know, how fragile things are, you know, and how and how badly things can go wrong if we don't pay attention to these enormous, you know, geopolitical issues. Um, Maybe we should start investing in that. So I think that just as an industry, the, the, the fashion industry is at a point where they're beginning to, to make, uh, you know, some, they're beginning to pivot to, 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 to what the, fu the future of fashion could be like. And so this is a great moment because there's already interest in the fashion industry to think about doing things differently, right? So I, I actually think this is like, this is actually a really great moment. I definitely feel like this is a, there's a great natural entry point in 
for parents into this, not just because, you know, like women are, are just a, as you pointed out, you know, like big consumers of fashion. But I mean, when I think about the amount of things that I like kept on buying, I keep on buying, I keep on buying kids clothes. Like they keep growing out of them. They keep throwing pasta sauce all over them, like whatever the case. And they bring me a little bit of joy, to be honest with you. I love seeing them. I just bought all three of my kids matching um, tiger print sweatshirts and it brought me a huge amount of joy. There was no functional need for that. That was purely on me. But, you know, I mean, it feels like such a natural entry point for parents to be taking because we're such huge consumers of fashion. Are there entry points in this for regular people? Totally. Um, And I think actually having kids, it's interesting because on the one hand, we're consumers and we're thinking about how to dress our children. On the other hand, our children give us a real sense of anxiety in terms of what's the future going to be like for them, right? Like, so I have a five-year-old daughter and I am really concerned about uh, what's going to happen, you know, when she's in her 50s, right? You know, what is the planet going to look like then? So in some ways, as parents, we are both making decisions, like buying decisions for our children, but we're also forced to think about, you know, what these longer term issues are. Um, Now, when it comes to kids clothes, it's really interesting. Um, There are a whole flock of brands now that are trying to make more sustainable clothes. So for instance, the founder of Chobani, um, his name is Hamdi Ulukaya. His wife actually just launched a company that makes clothes entirely out of recycled uh, materials. They're they're pretty expensive. um, But I I think it's an interesting point that 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 was just one of a few brands that I've seen. Another brand that I saw just hit the market with entirely, um, with clothes made entirely from bamboo, which is like a very low, um, it's it's got minimal carbon footprint and environmental footprint. There, There are brands that are beginning to think about how to change this. And I think it's great because as we're thinking about making smarter choices when it comes to our kids, whether that's buying from one of these brands, maybe buying fewer products from them because they're more expensive and then trying to use them longer, or buying secondhand because we know that that's better for the planet. All of these decisions that we're making around kids' clothing, we can communicate that with our kids and we can introduce them to this conversation and say, you know, that that shirt that I just got you that costs $50 or how however much, um, that is made entirely from old water bottles, right? And we need to protect the planet and and so on. Um, So I think that it's interesting that you you asked this question because I think that, you know, all of these issues that we're talking about, we can sort of shrink them down and have these conversations with our kids who are ultimately going to inherit this mess, right? And so so we need to for for this conversation. (laughs) So I definitely want to get those clothing company names from you. We'll put them in our Instagram stories so we can share them with everybody. I will tell you that I get a ton of my kids' clothes from a company called Princess Awesome, and the boy company is Boy Wonder. Love them because they are um, less gender conforming. And the girls' dresses, I know hits on another point of yours, they all have deep pockets. Pockets are very important. Pocket privilege for for um, for years. Uh, only boys had pockets because it was like oh, only boys had anything to carry, right? With them, you know, we poor women were just like uh, ornamental. Although whoever thought that obviously never met a little girl. Like she has a lot to carry. I know, I know. Yeah, the, 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 there are lots of these, and there's another brand um, that that I will that I will share as well. That is all about sort of like highlighting, um, you know, women uh, heroines from 
from the, you know, like all, all around us and, and make that the focus. I do think that, um, that this is great because this is all about storytelling, right? And, and, I, and I think that more broadly, the reason that I've always been interested in the fashion industry is, is not because of, you know, the, the fashions, which are obviously, you know, fun and exciting, right? But it's because clothes affect all of us and they affect all of us in so many ways. We, we, we think about what we wear every day. We think about what our clothes say about us, but, but in, uh, buying a single art article of clothing, we are actually touching a global supply chain, right? That that garment that you're wearing, you know, many, many people have touched that right, and have made it. And it uses resources that come from our planet, right? And so the reason that I'm so interested in this industry is, is because it really does tell a story about like much more than than what we're wearing. It has it has everything to do with the world that we live in. And I think it's great that we can have that conversation with our kids because they can relate to it, right? It's like, this is a dress that I wear every day. Where did this dress come from? Who made it? You know, what, what was it made of, right? They would totally be into, yeah, they would, like I can imagine my kids would totally be into all the conversations you're talking about. I mean, a, a recycled bottle shirt? Like that yeah, sounds totally. amazing. <laughs> Shop Tomorrow's is saying, please, for secondhand, please check us out new circular economy parent to parent marketplace love that shop underscore tomorrow's um well this has been a quick policy hit conversation i'm emily tish sussman host of your political playlist dr elizabeth segrin this has been a great conversation about all the the areas that are touched by a potential fashion czar and the movement that you have started that is actually starting to, so we're going to check back in with you to see if this fashion czar what the status is totally. thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Political Playlist. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Your Political Playlist, where you can see video of my interview with Dr. Segrin and join us live to ask questions during future ones. For more from Dr. Segrin, you can follow her on Twitter at Liz Segrin. Join us every week for smart but bite-sized conversations with women at the seat of power and activism. Subscribe if you like us, leave us a rating, and comment to let others know. Talk to you next time.